Bear Books presents Ending Samsara, written by JW Voice and read by Daisy Ray. Part 1, Chapter 27, A Hit and Run in God's Waiting Room. Oleg had spent the last few days in a kind of surreal daze. Contemplating what might transpire beyond his own limited existence was not something he could conceive of. It was apparent that life would simply go on for the people that meant the most to him. Like being informed that although a great soiree would be taking place in your neighbourhood, unfortunately your invitation had been rescinded and all the details of the imminent party were to remain a mystery. It was a devastating prospect, but ignorance is bliss, as they say and there was comfort to be had in not knowing what one would be missing. The news that he was going to be a grandfather seemed to permeate this uncertainty and provide a kind of anchor in the unknown. He'd undoubtedly never find out if his grandchild was a boy or a girl. What would they be like? Would they grow up in Scotland? Would they have an accent? Would they share Ivan's gentle nature or Michelle's artistic streak? Would they ever ask questions about the granddad they never got to meet? Did this even matter? Oleg never knew his mother's father. he died two years before he was born. All he knew was that the man was a factory worker and apparently a heavy drinker. This was the scope of the information he'd been told and it never really occurred to him to probe any further. Ivan and Michelle would surely tell their child more than this, though. At least Alexander hoped as much. Ivan is proud of his old dad, isn't he? Oleg asked Victoria at breakfast, seemingly out of the blue. What? What kind of question is that? Victoria said, peering up from her newspaper. I mean, if this child never really gets to know me, do you think he'll tell them stories? Victoria frowned. Don't be silly. Of course they'll get to know us. The words struck Oleg's chest like a bullet. Yes, they'll definitely know you, but I mean, I'm no spring chicken. Let's say I don't make it to see them grow up. Oleg... Victoria grunted. Don't talk like that. I'm just being practical. Hypothetically, if I'm gone before they're able to develop any real memories. Ivan thinks enough of me for him to want to fill them in, doesn't he? Yes, Victoria asserted. You're Ivan's greatest role model. Don't act like this is news to you. You're the strongest man he knows. He said that to you. He doesn't need to. Victoria tilted her head. My dear, is this something you need to tell me? Oleg tensed. No, why? Because you've really not been yourself these past few days, and I'm not the only one to mention it. We're in Barbados, you're usually the life and soul of these things, and you've just been told you're going to be a grandfather. What on earth is wrong? Nothing, really. I'll perk up. I've just been thinking about the future. One that might not involve me. She shook her head and returned to her paper. Enough of this depressing talk, it's your son's big day. The pair finished their breakfasts in silence. Other than these two early risers, the hotel restaurant was practically empty. Do you need to go over your speech again? His wife asked as they left the table. Oleg nodded. As Michelle and her own father were estranged, Oleg had offered to say a few words in his stead. Two absent grandfathers before your life has even begun, Oleg thought to himself with despondence. The old man felt a twinge of panic as he and Victoria approached the stairs. I just need to pop to the loo, he said. Can't you just use the one in the room? Coffee's gone straight through me, he replied, turning away. Victoria chuckled and ascended the staircase alone. He simply waited near the lifts until a reasonable amount of time had passed then took one to the second floor. On the balcony of their room, Oleg looked over the pages of his handwritten speech. It had taken him a month to compose it. It flowed well and contained plenty of jokes and humorous anecdotes. Reading it now, however, with the new knowledge that he'd been imparted with, he couldn't help but think it lacked a certain amount of feeling. He quickly made some minor adjustments and neatly folded it away. I'm meant to be with the bridesmaids in an hour for makeup and all the rest, but I think I'll head over soon. I don't think you're needed with the boys until eleven. Victoria wagged her finger. Don't even think about taking out that pipe while I'm gone. Oleg smirked. Wouldn't dream of it. Good. Stay out of trouble. 
She kissed him on the cheek before collecting her dress from the wardrobe. Once Oleg had polished his shoes, he read a text from Sam asking if he had time for a coffee. He replied affirmatively and met her in the restaurant a few minutes later. Conversation between them soon became tense. So, she said, sighing, Is there any other private information you'd like to unload on me? Any secrets about the Ukrainian government you've been sworn to keep? Oleg rolled his eyes. He'd just informed her of Michelle's condition, an admission that apparently made her uncomfortable. Look, it's hardly classified stuff. Everyone will know about it soon enough. Yes, soon enough, but right now the only people who know that Michelle is expecting are the father-to-be, the grandparents, and me, someone who has met her a grand total of two times, once in the last week. I'm sorry, I had to tell you. Besides, chances are you'll probably end up meaning more to the child than I will. Don't say that. I hope you will. They all adore you. I'd love for you to remain in their lives. Without warning, Oleg lost his composure and started to choke on his words. After I'm gone. Right, this needs to stop. Oleg sniffed. Excuse me? Victoria is right. This isn't you. Instead of blubbering, moping and reciting your own damn eulogy while you're still breathing, why not make the most of the fact that you still are? This is a happy occasion, Oleg. And yes, it could be the last one you're part of. Do you want everyone's last memory of you to be this, this sulking husk of your former self? Oleg moved back as if startled. He glared at his friend for a moment, then felt an involuntary smile appear on his face. Sulking husk of my former self? Sam looked somewhat remorseful. Er, uh, sorry? No, no. As he lifted his head, it seemed as though some lightness, some degree of clarity had returned to Oleg's blue eyes. You're absolutely right. There are a billion and one places a man could spend his final hours, and I'm here, in Barbados of all places. Sam paused pensively. You told me once that you had an uncle who died in Janowska in the Second World War. Oleg nodded. I did, in the concentration camp. And yes, here I am, sitting in paradise after 76 wonderful years, with the gall to curse my bad luck. That wasn't my point, although it's also valid. No. Jean-Paul Sartre once said there are two ways to go to the gas chamber, free and not free. Oleg felt the hairs on the back of his neck stand up. The words resonated with him more powerfully than he could have expressed. It felt like being moved by a wave of pure energy. It was a dead French philosopher who'd uttered them, mediated by his friend, but in that moment it might well have been delivered to him by God. No one spoke again for a couple of minutes. What do you think happens when the lights go out? He eventually asked. What do I think happens to me? To everyone. To me. Honestly, I don't think they do go out. I think you'll be reborn. Ah, Reincarnation, Oleg said with palpable scepticism. He suddenly registered something and gave her a sideward look. Wait, what about you? I think they will go out for me. No coming back? Oleg laughed. You seem pretty sure of this. What makes you so different? A few reasons, Sam said flatly. But no, no coming back. The sheer certainty with which his friend spoke was as convincing as it was unnerving. He'd lived too long and with too little faith in spirituality and too much trust in science to share her prediction. But he knew that she believed it. Without question, and this inspired in him a secret yearning to believe it as well. Perhaps I'll find out for certain, Oleg said. Perhaps. Under the table was Oleg's leather satchel. He reached for it. Now I have to be with my son and the other groomsmen in 45 minutes. He took out a wooden travel chess set and placed it on the table. Do you think we'll have time for a game? Can I beat you in 45 minutes? Sam said. Now that is one thing I can guarantee. <laughs> the cheek. She fulfilled her promise with ten minutes to spare and Oleg slowly ambled to his son's room via the lift. He made sure to catch his breath before knocking on the door. Ivan seemed disconcerted when he answered. Dad, you're early. The man was clean-shaven, with a healthy colour to his cheeks and his thick locks meticulously parted. His blue eyes resembled his father's, 
although the contrast of black hair and the absence of any grease made them look far more pronounced. Somewhat disparate from his usual calm and unflappable self, the young man stood barefoot, wearing only a white dress shirt with his royal blue trousers, and his eyes seemed to dart from Oleg's to the corridor behind him. Oleg checked his watch. Not really, son. I'm merely on time for once. Oh, then everyone else is late. He ran a hand down the back of his head. Great. You look dashing, my boy. Thanks, you too. Ivan appeared to hover quite aimlessly as his father took a seat on the bed. I should call Travis. He was pulling at one of his cufflinks. The muscles in his lean jaw were visibly twitching. I'm sure they're on the way. Sit down, take a breath. His son pulled the chair from the desk and perched on the end. Are you nervous, son? What? Ivan frowned. No. It's okay. You're meant to be. The old man reached into his blazer pocket. Here, he said, holding out a large silver hip flask. Ivan looked at him like he was mad. Come on, Olik insisted. Dutch courage. Dad, no, it's not even noon. It's tradition. Calm your nerves. With no further protest, his son took a substantial draught from the flask and winced. Olek had a small swig of his own in solidarity. I remember the day, he said. I was a little older and only slightly less handsome, but I recall seeing that exact same look staring back at me in the mirror. Ivan's legs were restless on the chair. He steadied them with his hands and let out a deep exhale. What's the matter with me? It's just like any other day. He glanced at his father deliberately. I'm not having cold feet, you know. Oleg laughed. I know, son. I told you, it's only natural. I don't want to meet the man who walks down the aisle unfazed. Do you think Chelly's nervous? I know she is, Oleg smiled, holding out the flask again. Just a little one this time. As Ivan took another sip, he jumped at a loud knock from the door. Thank God. He hurried over and opened it. Alexander stayed on the bed, listening to the loud chatter from the three men who entered. Come on, lad, you haven't even put your socks on, Travis boomed. Morning, chaps, Olick said. Ah, good morning, Mr S. Broad, bearded and a little overweight, Travis looked considerably older than the last time Olick had seen him. Managed to hold on to the rings? Travis patted his breast pocket. I not left my sight. As his adult son slowly seemed to gather his composure and finish getting himself ready, Oleg helped the other three with their corsages. Beside the brash best man, the other two were comparatively meek. After four failed attempts at his tie and several choice words which prompted a chorus of laughter from his friends, Ivan was fully dressed. He looked like something straight out of a wedding brochure. Oleg often liked to remind people that he once shared a startling likeness to his only child. But now he was not so sure. He'd never paid so much attention to the young man's face before, and while his own jaw was once equally as chiselled and his eyes were as striking, Ivan had clearly inherited his mother's perfect straight nose and prominent cheekbones. Oleg always used to wonder if he'd sire attractive offspring. He knew it was a silly, superficial consideration. Looks fade and only get one so far, he knew, but he was secretly glad his son was blessed in this department. Travis started dousing himself and the other two groomsmen in pungent but pleasant-smelling aftershave. When he set upon Ivan, he opened a different bottle. Only the best for you two, he said, descending on the old man last. They need to tell us apart. Very kind of you, Travis, Olick sniffed the air. I like it. I'd hope so, it's five hundred a bottle. The best man chuckled. Mrs S isn't going to be able to keep her hands off you later. Oleg smiled, watching his son shaking his head in the corner. The burly Scot noticed the hip flask beside the father on the bed. Ah, good man. Wet my whistle? Be my guest, Oleg passed it to him. After taking a considerable swig, Travis lowered his voice. If Tyrese looks a bit glum, it's because his fur must just given him the boot. Oh dear, that's rotten news. Aye. He glanced at his watch. Christ, boys, we'd best be moving. It's bad karma to arrive after the lasses. Bad karma, Olick mused, remembering his chat with Sam. Suppose she was correct, he speculated on how his own karma would fare after 76 years. Admittedly, he'd not lived the most virtuous of existences, 
Certain exploits of his youth might well go against him, but he'd always thought the pendulum had swung more favourably the moment he'd met Victoria and in the thirty-odd years that had followed. Older, wiser, Alexander had few regrets on the whole, and in any case, it would be too late for those. Oleg trailed the four young men down the corridor, feeling somewhat wistful and mostly nostalgic. He wondered if his son would be echoing this scenario a few decades down the line with his own child. Then with the first desire to cherish rather than reflect or cogigate, he brought himself back to the moment. Ivan was thanking his friends for making the trip, telling Tyrese he'd have paid for his flights if he'd known he'd been laid off at work. His chest swelled with pride as he considered what a gentleman his son had become. I've done one thing right, he decided. The photographer met the five of them in the lobby, a short and stocky Bayesian bustling with enthusiasm. The men were ushered into various poses, some traditional, some cliched, and some simply bizarre. Just go with it, Ivan said to his dad as the groomsmen were instructed to take the role of prison guards, escorting their captive. Standing amongst the four young men, Oleg felt his age. Father and son now, the photographer called out. Looked like you're telling him a secret. The pair tried their best not to laugh. Each of the men showed their relief when the picture-taking was over and they promptly made their way to the glorious altar on the terrace. The splendid oratory was a raised roofed affair with marble pillars overlooking the ocean. A cool sea breeze was creeping in between the columns. With this alone, the sun trap would still have been stiflingly hot. Thankfully, the platform was also well air-conditioned. Oleg and his son took a moment to appreciate the stunning coastal landscape. The highlands would still have offered stiff competition, Oleg muttered with a smirk. But I hear it's raining cats and dogs back home, so good decision, I suppose, son. Ivan laughed. He was still showing his nerves. Break a leg, my boy, Oleg said and he joined the groomsmen on the first row. A string quartet was busy playing in the corner. Their rich, mellifluous sound cut through the ear like an exquisite spiral. As the aisles began to fill, Oleg smiled and nodded at everyone who caught his eye. He spotted Victoria as soon as she entered. She looked radiant in her lilac dress. The makeup artist had taken a decade off, reconsidered. He decided not to say this to her as she found her seat beside him. You look stunning, he whispered instead. She blushed and kissed him tenderly on the cheek. A moment later, the violinists broke into a delicate rendition of the wedding march. Ivan glanced back and beamed at his fiancée as her uncle walked her down the aisle. Michelle was a vision from the most immaculate of dreams. She reminded Oleg of Catherine Ross in The Graduate, although even more radiant. Her dark hair cascaded down her shoulders and her olive skin had a definite glow to it. The only sign of her condition, he thought, as her slim figure gave no further clues. She looks amazing, doesn't she? Victoria breathed. Alexander simply nodded with a faint smile. He had attended perhaps a dozen weddings in his life, including his own, and this was only the second time he'd felt overcome by such strong emotions. For a moment he was entirely disconnected from the pain of his illness. He felt uninhibited, somehow eternal. Miraculously the ceremony endured without a single snag. Not a beat was missed or a word misspoken, and despite the distinct possibility of crying at any moment, Michelle held her nerve. Even managing to perfectly repeat the words Ivan Kostjantin Sakadakni without a trace of hesitation. Oleg nodded with pride and Victoria looked awestruck. He remembered with fondness how she'd fluffed his name on their own big day. After more posing for pictures, confetti throwing and several glasses of champagne, no one seeming to notice as Michelle held on to her first perpetually full glass, the procession of mostly Scots, a handful of Ukrainians and a scattering of international well-wishers gradually retired to the function room. Ivan's speech was a series of thank yous, it seemed as though he'd left out no one, personally acknowledging every guest in the room for their involvement or simply for making the trip. Oleg was next up, with the obligatory mention of the bride and her beautiful dress. He went about reciting the parts of the speech he'd added this morning. I realise this will come as a shock to most of you, but I turned 76 this year. 
Yes, I know what a lot of you were thinking. I didn't know Ivan had an older brother. He's so much more handsome and distinguished. There was a ripple of laughter from the tables. But it's true, I'm an old man now, which makes me doubly thankful that I managed to make it to this special day. I can't promise I'll be there for every big event in the future or that I'll always be around to offer my priceless advice. So now I just want to say to my son and to my new beautiful daughter-in-law, Ivan, I cannot express how delighted I am with the man you've become. And Michelle, he smiled as he turned to her. I couldn't be prouder of you, mostly for how perfectly you pronounced our surname back there. More laughter ensued. You're going to need that when you find yourself constantly correcting every Angus and Morag back home. Michelle giggled. Thanks, Pop. I've been practising. You're all laughing, but it's true. My wife still hasn't quite mastered it. Victoria tutted before permitting a snicker of her own. I know my boy will do right by you. If he's anything like me, which I'm certain he is, you might have to nudge him to do the housework every so often and pacify him when Rangers lose a game but I know he'll be patient and kind and treat you like a princess. And if you ever have children, he and Michelle shared a brief knowing look, he'll be a doting father. Oleg felt himself tearing up slightly as he took a swig of champagne and regained his composure. Anyway, that's enough of me kissing his arse. Who wants to hear some embarrassing stories? The audience cheered and Alexander proceeded to roast his son for several minutes, starting from early childhood and moving into adolescence. He adroitly steered through an anecdote about the first time he'd caught his son drinking at age 15 on a vomit-filled Land Rover on the way home from a rugby social. I'll admit I felt quite ashamed of my boy in that moment, Olick mused. I woke him the next day, sat him down and gave him a lecture. You've let yourself down, I said. You've let me down, but most importantly, you've let down your grandparents. He looked at me guiltily and I yelled, Yes, you need to know these Scottish boys that Ukrainians can drink. The audience laughed and cheered. I understood that punishing him for such behaviour would be a futile act in Inverness. What I needed to do was to break out the vodka and start helping to build his tolerance. Incidentally, this was also the day he learnt about the hair of the dog. Raucous laughter followed. Victoria was hiding her face. My wife is wishing I hadn't told that story, but that's just because Kiwis don't know how to drink. Oleg laughed. To Ivan and Michelle. Ivan and Michelle, everyone yelled in unison. Oleg raised his glass again. And as they say in my country, Nazdrovya. Oleg downed his champagne before returning to his seat. His wife paid him a look of condemnation and then she chuckled and patted him on the arm. Well done, dear. Travis was up next. His intermittently distasteful speech generated almost as much laughter as Oleg's and quite a few gasps to boot. Oleg was relieved to find that most of it centred around Ivan's being a bit of a goody two-shoes while also being quite easily led astray. The wedding band was comprised of three young men and a female vocalist whom his son had known since his university days. As they'd refused payment, Ivan had insisted on compensating them for their flights and the cost of transporting their equipment. While Oleg did not recognise the song chosen for the first dance, he thought the singer's voice had a hauntingly beautiful quality. After drinking an absolute skinful, he asked at least three people to remind him of the name of the tune and the artist who originally performed it. Sam was the last person he pestered on the matter. Just text it to me, he slurred at the bar. She shook her head and tuttered. When they returned to the head table, she asked Victoria if she could borrow Oleg for a dance. You may keep him, dear, his wife replied. Alexander was thankful it was a slow song when he reached the dance floor. His breathing was laboured, but he managed to make it to the end. Sam was garbed in traditional Indian wedding attire. He couldn't help but notice how alluring she looked under the lights. A decade or so in the past, he'd considered that she might have been a good match for his son. Despite her only being five years older, however, he quickly realised that she was far too mature for him. Although he soon felt worn out and slightly worse for wear, Oleg still gleefully welcomed each visit from Travis. The boisterous Scott approached his table on at least four occasions with a shot of dubious liquid. Slow down, Victoria warned her husband as he gladly accepted the final one. 
It's our boy's big day, he protested, unable to control his volume. With his condition in mind, he recognised that it perhaps wasn't wise to consume as much booze as he had done. A small part of him was treating the night as his last. When he and Victoria returned to their room at 3am and he finally rested his head, he started to consider that it could well be. According to his specialist's most positive estimate, he was now officially on his second day of borrowed time. And this one had taken a lot out of him. Weak and exhausted, although still feeling a buzz from the alcohol in his system, Oleg prepared himself for a slumber he might not wake from. Victoria, he summoned the will to say, muffled by his pillow. What? she mumbled, half asleep. All these years with you, do you know, they've been the happiest of my life, he hiccuped. I love you. I love you too, you silly drunk. Hush now. Go to sleep. Oleg found himself trapped inside a long cylindrical channel. He had to deduce this from touch alone, because everything was black as pitch. He crawled along it on his belly and soon discovered that the further he progressed, the lighter it began to appear. It was far too narrow for him to even use his knees, so he scuttled commando-style towards a pinprick of light which had appeared dead centre in the distance. After a while, the tiny circle widened. Soon it was the size of a fist, morphing into a blinding white light. Gradually, this spectral ray illuminated the imprisoning chamber he navigated through. The glare became so fierce it made him squint. Nevertheless, it seemed to beckon him onward. There was no room for him to peer back in the direction he'd come from. He could only see the fluorescent whiteness ahead of him. Soon he realised he was crawling upwards rather than forward, entirely vertically from what he could tell. Defying physics, he kept pulling himself up higher and higher. The light started to call to him more explicitly. Come home, it seemed to express. He had no desire to disobey. It was impossible to tell how long he dragged himself towards the light. An hour? A year? And when he finally freed himself from the channel, it was as if it had never existed. Somewhere in the whiteness was a silhouette. While at first it had seemed like an inverted star, as his eyes adjusted he realised it was the figure of a man sat in the lotus position. He suddenly realised who it was. Prince Siddhartha, Gautama Buddha himself, he could not make out any definitive features, but he recognised him from artwork he'd seen. Soon, the figure boomed, apparently without the use of words. Startling and abrupt, the shadow exploded with terrifying violence. It shook the old man's bones. Oleg suddenly became aware of his body, his racing heart and laboured breathing. There was a pounding in his temples. His mouth felt chalky and the consistency of ash. He coughed into his pillow, his eyes adjusted to the room around him, and he noticed the back of Victoria's head. Soon, he mumbled to himself. Victoria stirred. What, dear? I feel awful, Oleg wheezed. I'm not surprised with how much you put away last night, Victoria chuckled. Oleg slowly rolled himself off the bed and onto his feet. His head was spinning. He stumbled to the fridge, grabbing a bottle of water and finishing it within seconds. The chilled liquid soothed his throat. Then he hurried into the bathroom and urinated for an inordinate amount of time. After this simple relief, he suddenly experienced an overwhelming sense of gratitude. Despite feeling like death, he was very much alive. He'd made it beyond his son's wedding. There were no solid excuses left to him now. He had to tell Victoria and Ivan the truth. He'd been granted a final farewell. He owed them that. What time is it? His wife yelled from the bed. Oleg looked at the alarm clock on the nightstand. Half past ten. Oh, wow. We've nearly missed breakfast. Better hurry then. They made it to the restaurant just before the last entry. He scanned the room, only spotting one other couple from their party. Michelle's uncle and his wife... Oleg waved to them and they returned the gesture. He realised that most of the attendees had likely already been and gone, or they were still in bed nursing hangovers comparable to his own. Oh look, there's Ivern, Victoria said, and he noticed his son waiting in the queue for the breakfast bar. 
the old man's heart skipped a beat. They marched over and caught his attention. Where's Michelle? Oleg asked. Ivan said, she's feeling a bit peaky, and told them where his table was in the corner. Morning sickness, Victoria whispered to Oleg. When Oleg and his wife had filled their plates, they joined their son at his table. Oleg necked a glass of orange juice. No better time than now, old man, he thought to himself, letting out a long sigh. Right, he said abruptly. At the risk of putting a dampener on things, I've got some rather shitty news to tell you both. What's the matter, Dad? There's no easy way to say this. I'm dying. The knife Ivan was using to spread butter on his toast slipped from his hand and fell onto his plate with a discordant clang. What? What are you talking about, dear? The colour had drained from Victoria's face. I'm known for a while, I'm afraid. I'm really sorry for keeping it from you. I wanted to wait until after the ceremony to tell you both. Victoria simply stared at him, speechless. What's wrong with you? Ivan asked. Pancreatic cancer. How? How long have you known? Just over two months. Christ, Dad, two months? Why haven't you said anything? I just told you, I didn't want the news to spoil your special day. Victoria started quietly sobbing. After a minute or so, she found her voice. That trip to the doctors, months ago, when you insisted on going alone. That's what they were checking for. Oleg nodded. But why didn't you tell me? I've already said I didn't want it. No, not why didn't you say anything to Ivan? You could have told me. Then you would have been forced to keep it a secret. You'd have been miserable for the wedding. I... Dad, you should have told us. We could have cancelled the wedding. We... And why on earth would I want that? I'd have missed out on my boy getting married, or worse still, the whole event would have been overshadowed by the news. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to both of you. But I stand by my decision. I got to spend one of my final days surrounded by the people I love, celebrating something wonderful. I didn't want anyone moping or feeling sorry for me. I didn't need pity, and I just wanted everything to go ahead as planned. The table fell silent, but for the sound of Victoria's near-silent sobbing. After a couple of minutes of staring into space, Ivan was the first to speak again. You said one of your final days. How much time have they given you, exactly? Yes, time. It would seem that I have already exceeded their most favourable estimations. They said a month or two, if I'm lucky. I'm apparently even slightly luckier than that. I currently make it two months and two days. Ivan slumped back in his chair. Victoria's weeping suddenly grew louder. I understand why you both might be upset with me, but like I say, I'm on borrowed time. So, if you want to be cross at my keeping it a secret, perhaps you'd be kind enough not to stay that way for long. If I'm honest... I'd rather prefer to enjoy my final hours with you, the precious ones I have remaining. How can you be so calm? Ivan said, his brow deeply furrowed. How can I not? There's nothing I can do about it. I'm extremely thankful to have made it this far. Victoria stopped crying. You're right, she said with sudden clarity. Oleg chuckled. You've never said that to me before. I mean, I'm truly pissed off that you decided to lie to me. What if the doctors were right and you just died without saying a word? The shock might have seen me off too. Oh, come on, I hardly... But you've told us now, she interrupted, and you're right. Staying angry would be cutting my nose off to spite my face. Does this mean you've already forgiven me? Oleg asked his wife. Because that has to be a record. Victoria frowned. Oleg, say I'm right one more time, he teased. She frowned and slapped him on the arm. Don't hit me, I have cancer. Trust you to make jokes right now, Ivan said. From his tone, Oleg could tell his son was not following his wife's lead. Ivan, I know this is rather shit news to hear the day after your wedding, 
but you need to understand that I've come to terms with it. I've lived a full life. I have no anger, no regrets. Yes, but you've had quite a lot more time to come to terms with it than I have. Your father is talking sense, Ivan, and although I don't agree with it, I do understand his reasons for not telling us. Thank you, dear. This was one of the main reasons why he'd married Victoria. Her staunch practicality, in spite of heavy emotions, though she often showed her upset in times of crisis, he could always rely on her to pull through and apply reason to the situation. He saw the pain in her hazel eyes and noticed it was mingled with the deepest kind of affection. Our flight home isn't for a few days, she said to him after they made it back to the room. What would you like to do while we're still here? Well, Sam is leaving today. I spotted her in the lounge a minute ago. I had hoped to see her before she left. Oh, of course, you'll need to tell her too. I imagine she'll be upset. She's extremely fond of you. Oleg looked away. I think she'll be fine, but yes, I must tell her. He did not abide by the maxim that honesty was always the best policy. He decided that, in this case, the knowledge that his friend knew before his wife could only cause unnecessary hurt. I spent quite a lot of time with her last night, Victoria said. She's such a good soul. I do hope she'll stay in touch after... His wife left the sentence unfinished. He could tell she was fighting back further tears. Go, find her, and come back up when you're done. Sam was sitting on her laptop in the lobby when she saw him approach. She promptly closed it. Well, I've told them, Olick said abruptly. Sam nodded. How did they take it? Victoria better than Ivan, but I think he'll come around. Olek paused, leaning back in his chair. Do you know, I had a rather peculiar dream last night. I think it was one of the most real ones I ever remember having. Tell me more. Well, Olek hesitated. I dreamt I met the Buddha. Sam wore a faint smile. Interesting. I suppose it was simply because of our talk yesterday. Hmm, possibly, she replied. Did he say anything to you? Yes, sort of, Oleg murmured. His eyes seemed to momentarily glaze over. Soon. Sam lifted her head in recognition. Alexandra frowned. You haven't made me a deathbed convert, you know, he said defensively. Sam smirked. Wouldn't dream of it. After a long and pleasant goodbye, the pair hugged. You know, Oleg said softly, I'm awfully glad to have been able to call you a friend. Likewise. On the way back to the room, Oleg was waylaid by his younger sister and her husband in the lobby. They chatted for perhaps half an hour. A couple of times he thought about telling her his news, but he knew this would result in a longer and more awkward chat and he was quite keen to return to his wife. Instead, he settled on thanking them both for coming. You'll have to see us in Italy soon, she said in their native tongue. Certainly, he replied. When he returned to his room, he found two unexpected guests waiting with his wife. Oh, Olek, Michelle said, rising from her seat, her eyes glistening. Ivan has just told me. She took him off guard with a firm hug. I can't believe you kept it to yourself, she pulled away. How are you feeling? I'm fine, dear. But how are you? Are you still unwell? She shook her head. Listen, me and Ivan have been discussing it. There's quite a lot of money left over after we changed venues. I know you said to spend it on our camper van excursion, but we have a suggestion. What's that then? We want to take you both to Florida. Florida? Yes, we know you've always wanted to go to Universal Studios. Oleg's cheeks flushed with embarrassment. Oh, well, Ivan said it was on your bucket list. It's true, Victoria interjected from the corner. He's a great big kid. What do you say, Dad? Ivan asked. It's a short flight from here, and not that expensive. We're all up for it if you are. But won't this be encroaching on your honeymoon? Definitely not, said Michelle. Her voice started to break. One last holiday altogether, I think that sounds... She started blubbering. I'll go on one condition, Oleg said with firmness. No more crying from any of you. 
Anyone would think I'd already croaked. With everyone in agreement, Ivan and Michelle headed straight for the business centre to make the arrangements. That following morning, the receptionist was alarmed when the four of them asked to check out a full five days earlier than expected. No, you have all been wonderful, Oleg said. Just a change of plans. We don't need any deductions made. The old man had never visited Florida. When Ivan was a boy, suggestions of a family vacation to the world's most prominent selection of theme parks had always been vetoed by Victoria in lieu of more cultured excursions. Between the ages of seven and seventeen, Ivan had been lucky enough to glimpse such wonders as the Taj Mahal, the Great Pyramids of Giza and the monoliths of Easter Island, and their group adventures across the United States had taken them to the Lincoln Monument, Mount Rushmore and the Grand Canyon. But such delights as Space Mountain and Kraken SeaWorld were always parried with an eye-roll and a questioning of its educational significance. When his son was eleven, Oleg had conspired with the boy, trying to make it seem like he'd wanted to go there himself. But his wife had seen through such transparent attempts and Ivan quickly crumbled under direct interrogation. It was clear that his boy had never really been one for roller coasters. You just like your mother, Oleg had conceded with mild disappointment at the time. After arriving in Florida that evening, the first thing that struck the old man was the sheer size of the food portions. And much like parts of Scotland, it seemed that the bulk of delicacies on offer came with the option of being deep fried. Perhaps it's good that I never came here sooner, Oleg contemplated, halfway through a gigantic surf and turf meal. I doubt I'd have made it to my seventies. Unhealthy food options aside, day two was the most conservative affair. A journey through the Everglades seemed to quell Victoria's desire for civilised sightseeing. Despite her slight objections, Ivan and Michelle had arranged for them to visit four of the most lauded theme parks during their stay. Day three brought them to Disney World, and even she could not hide her awe and admiration of the Avatar Flight of Passage experience. It's quite a feat of engineering, she'd admitted on the dismount, her face drained of its usual colour. The following day at Bush Gardens, Ivan reluctantly agreed to join his father on a daunting ride named Shikra. Of the three, Michelle had been the only one keen to take part, but Victoria dissuaded her with reference to the condition. I guess you're right, Michelle conceded. Being pregnant is no fun. Aboard Shikra, the restraints descended and locked into place and the old man glanced at his son with a kind of sadistic glee. Oh God, Ivan muttered under his breath. Oleg laughed as the gate opened and the floors retracted beneath them. They made a sudden downward right turn and he felt the air whoosh through his hair. Then an immediate upward shift prompted a further unmanly yelp from the newlywed beside him. A series of shrieks and curses ensued for the next couple of minutes, ceasing momentarily and in unison with the halting of the train. Oleg, on the other hand, made cries of contentment throughout. As they finally came to a halt, he continued to chuckle. Ivan was wide-eyed and silent. The pair hopped down from their seats and the younger man remained in a state of speechlessness, like he'd just witnessed an unworldly kind of horror. Oh, come on, boy. Admit that was fun. Ivan slowly shook his head and deeply exhaled. This experience elicited an intense unwillingness for him to accompany his father on any more roller coasters for the next couple of hours. Seeing no other options, Oleg was forced to use the please, I'm dying card on his son later in the day. The young man eventually acquiesced and they found themselves on the aptly named Falcon's Fury. Okay, I'm done. Sorry, Dad, Ivan said afterwards, holding onto a handrail for a while and looking close to vomiting. Unwilling to unleash any more emotional trauma on his only child, Oleg tackled the last few rides solo. The next two days proceeded in the same vein. The old man was not discouraged to ride the more daunting attractions on his own and even made a few fleeting friends in doing so. Two brash young men from New Jersey high-fived Oleg after the Hulk ride at Universal Studios and berated Ivan with a few playful jibes on the other side. What did you tell them, his son demanded. SeaWorld was a bone of contention. Victoria made several comments about the mistreatment of water mammals during their time there 
and they all agreed not to watch any of the shows. Perhaps because he felt he was engaging in unfinished business, Oleg was surprised to find he had an unreserved amount of energy in the theme parks, especially when it came to the roller coasters. In the interludes he felt drained and immeasurably weak, but he hid this well. Alcohol seemed to help. In the evenings he drank cocktails and found himself unable to stay up past midnight. The most startling thing he'd started to notice was the weight loss. Although he was alarmed to see the thinness in his neck when he looked in the mirror, he appreciated that the paunch he'd previously carried had disappeared. Everyone, apart from Oleg, seemed thrilled to have completed the four lengthy days of theme parks. Forced to admit that this long-awaited section of his bucket list had been fulfilled, though we agreed to spend the remainder of the trip doing things more suited to everyone's taste. The Kennedy Space Centre was on the itinerary for day six. That morning, Ivan softened the blow of no more roller coasters with a very different kind of ride. Eleanor! Oleg cried in the hotel parking lot. His son had surprised him by secretly arranging the rental of a Ford Mustang. Further to his delight, it was the very same 1971 model affectionately referred to as Eleanor, from the film Gone in 60 Seconds, the original, not the later remake he had no love for. To Victoria's delight, the interior had been updated for comfort. While Oleg enjoyed visiting the space centre, he'd have been lying to say he didn't enjoy driving there more. He even found a small section of highway where he was able to put Eleanor through her paces. The deep growl of the engine made the old man feel like a teenager again. Then the more persuasive roars from his wife returned him to present day. After another long day on his feet and with no further bursts of ride-induced adrenaline to revivify him, Oleg felt too exhausted to drive the entire way back to the hotel. His appetite had been almost non-existent for days and he couldn't recall the last substantial meal he'd even half finished. After stopping for petrol along the way, he climbed into the passenger seat and let his son take over. Caught in heavy evening traffic, the Mustang ambled towards a large intersection. Oleg started to doze as they reached a set of lights. He soon woke with a start to the blast of horns. The driver of a large black SUV had apparently ignored the red light. Alexander watched the car steer around oncoming vehicles and selfishly raced to the other side. A motorcyclist, without a helmet, swerved out of the way, missing the SUV by inches. Oleg felt his heart in his mouth. Despite avoiding a sure fatal collision, the motorbike flipped and skidded and threw off its rider. Fortunately, the bike had not been travelling too fast, but Oleg winced as the man fell and unceremoniously struck the asphalt. A few cars manoeuvred past him and the intersection was at a standstill. Shit! exclaimed Oleg. Unsure what had come over him, he instinctively opened his door and leapt outside. We need to help him! He marched across the road, ignoring Victoria and Michelle's shouts of dismay. Ivan was hurrying close behind him. Oleg approached the motionless rider on the floor. Are you okay, son? he yelled at him. The young man of a similar age to Ivan was on his back. His unprotected head was dripping with blood. His eyes were wide open, though, and he looked like he was about to stand. Oleg knew it was unwise to move this kind of casualty, but considering what an unsafe place it was for him to be, he extended a hand to help him up. With Ivan's assistance, the man was lifted to his feet and they walked him to safety. They found a bench on the nearest sidewalk and eased him onto it. The leather-clad rider looked dazed. Thank you, he said. He touched his temple and appeared startled at the blood that transferred to his glove. Alexander stopped himself from yelling at the man for not wearing a helmet. He was undoubtedly aware of his error, and Oleg knew it wasn't a requirement in certain parts of America. The young man pointed back to the intersection. Oh God, the bike! Don't worry about that for now, Oleg said. But it's a rental. My boss paid for it. I'll try to get it, Ivan said. The traffic had resumed steadily and each vehicle was easing their way around the toppled bike. Careful, Oleg shouted after him. He watched as his son gingerly approached the motorbike and waved his arms at cars along the way. With visible effort, Ivan managed to get it back onto its wheels and he walked it back towards them. What's your name, son? Oleg asked the young man. Tom. Okay, Tom, you've hit your head. We need to get you to a hospital. Does anything else hurt? Bit of pain in my knee. 
the American said quite lucidly, but I think it's all right. What's your full name? Where were you born? Tom Baptiste, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Uh, Zach is going to... The man lurched forward. I feel sick. Should I call an ambulance? Ivan asked his dad. It's okay. I'll get a taxi, said Tom. All right, son, I'll come with you. Oleg stayed with the young man while Ivan hailed the macabre. After helping Tom onto the back seat, he instructed the slightly bewildered driver to take them to the nearest hospital. The taxi driver handed him a roll of tissue, likely because he didn't want blood on his upholstery. Oleg ripped off a large wad and passed it to Tom. Thank you, sir, Tom said softly. Thanks for coming with me. Oleg, and it's fine. I didn't want you passing out on the way there. He said this while feeling rather faint himself. A part of him hoped he'd be able to take his own advice. A short while later, Alexander found the emergency department at the hospital and sat with Tom in the waiting area. After ten minutes or so, he started to wonder if his son had gotten lost on the way. His other preoccupation was with how weak he was suddenly feeling. I need water, he decided looking over at the nearest dispenser. Returning to his feet did nothing to aid his fatigue. He felt a sudden rush of vertigo, then his legs seemed to give way beneath him. Nurse, he heard someone shout. It could have been Tom, but it was unclear. The lights faded around him. Olek awoke feeling something akin to the worst hangover he'd ever experienced. His breathing felt laboured, and as he moved his arms, he felt a tug. He noticed he was lying on the bed and hooked up to an intravenous strip. As his eyes focused, he made out Victoria's face. He tried to speak, but this was painful. Only a faint murmur came out. You're awake, Victoria yelped. We thought we'd lost you. Where am I? Olek managed with more clarity. You're still in Florida, dear, at Memorial Hospital. The boy, is he okay? Yes, you helped a young man in a road accident. He's fine, just a mild concussion. I think they've let him out already. Over the course of a long and strenuous conversation, he became starkly aware that this might be the last room he'd ever see. Can I get you anything? Victoria asked, to make you feel more comfortable. Oleg did have one wish, though it had nothing to do with comfort. He'd asked a doctor back in Scotland what the chances of donating his organs might be. The doctor had said it was extremely rare for terminal cancer patients to donate. I must have something worth giving, he replied. How are my kidneys looking? If you'd like to learn more about JW Voice, the author of this story, pop along to the show notes where you'll find a link to him right there. And as for Bear Books Podcast, we're on all your favourite social media, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. See you on the next episode. Bye.